Hey everybody, welcome to The Cinema Nerd Presents, the filmography of Amy Heckerling. My name is Kyle Woods. I'm here as ever with my co-host to talk about Clueless. James, what is Clueless? Oh my God. Um, so I was optimistic of watching this because I, um, you know, I, I remembered it very fondly and it was much more enjoyable for me. I guess there's a lot of nostalgia and a lot of like childhood stuff in there too but man I, I was very happy to be watching this film um once again it's been a long time and um yeah man that's gets... great news i'm glad to hear it so we'll get into our memories and and even more um because mm. i also have a, a soft spot for this one but before we unpack clueless have you seen anything else uh yeah i've been watching a weird menagerie of films uh watched kate and leo Kate and Leopold. Leopold. It's a time travel movie with Meg Ryan and Hugh Jackman. Okay. And he, he's from the 18th century, 16th, from the 19th century, and and she's a like a marketing yuppie. Okay. It's a weird. <laughs> but um, weird. That, yeah, I yeah. love a high concept rom-com, man. Have you seen, um, the one that always jumps to mind is the Mark Ruffalo one, where he's like in a coma and there's a woman trying to rent his apartment and he's like haunting her, but then they get together in the end because he comes out of the coma and they meet in real life. It's, it's really, you know. <laughs> no, I've never, that sounds amazing. Yeah, so, um, I mean, as a as an amazing chance segue, Kate and Leopold has Brecklin Brecken Meyer, Meyer. Um, the the skater from Clueless in it, and AKA uh, Travis Birkenstock. Yeah, <laughs> brilliant. Um, yeah. Uh, what what else? Oh, I watched Best of Show, which <sighs> is like classic. Yeah, so I got. I got told to watch the film and I watched it and the characters are amazing. Like, you know, I, I really enjoy like um, Parker Posey. She's yeah. an amazing <laughs> villain in everything. Um, like I enjoyed a lot of the, the bit parts, but the story is almost non-existent to me. Sure. Like, I think that's fair of like, almost all of the Christopher Guest movies, you know, the ones that have a story, like Spinal Tap's got an arc because it's a road movie, right? But even that is just sort of loosely based on, well, here's the tour, and that's sort of it. It's about the characters, you know what I mean? So I'm perfectly fine with, like, Best of Show, or what's the, um, the one about the concert, A Mighty Wind, you know, where they're all folk musicians, and it's just sort of like a one big night theme. So he takes these real... He does like event comedies and then just yeah. does them as mockumentaries and I'm, I'm all on board for it. Yeah, I mean, it definitely felt like slice of life, but like, you know, normally in a slice of life, there's a, there's a, an arc of character, but none of the characters kind of change or they just are like, <laughs> they continue to be who they were at the start, at the end, and you just kind of get to see who they are. And that's fine because I, I I enjoy characters, so um, I was I'm not I'm not slating this thing. I just it wasn't what I was expecting because everyone was like, "Oh, you've got to see this movie," and I was like, "Oh, it's it's kind of like 
uh, Saturday Night Live kind of like, you know, you just sure, you want to sure. see the character doing the thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it was good. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, would it be better if Parker Posey had a redemption arc? No, but it, but it could be better her having like a descent. Even. Okay. Actually, I want to watch that movie totally. But yeah, it is. We're just talking about a different movie at that point. That's so good. That's so good. I yeah, like I said, not not. Uh, oh, what else? Hey, well, how about you? What have you been watching? I don't have a ton. I've been uh, just mercilessly mining the uh, Disney Plus sports <laughs> content. So oh, okay. I've watched like Remember the Titans and Rookie of the Year and Little Giants and everything like that. And so now I'm getting to the point where I'm starting to watch adults play sports. So <laughs> I watched uh, Invincible the other day. Oh, okay. <laughs> and you know what, man? That movie is not real good, but it's so well directed that I just keep staying in the thing. So like the football action is really, really immersive and just sort of the like language of cinema is strong. So I'm with it the whole way, even though you pull out for a second, you're like, wait, what, what happened just now? That's bullshit. But while it's going on in the moment, you're, I'm totally with it. So shout out to er Erickson Kaur, who also directed, wait, what? No, he's a DP, okay. Right on. That makes sense. Uh, it's a good-looking movie, and yep. he shows off. Guy's really talented at what he does, and this movie is effective at conveying that. Mm -hmm. But it's also uh, maybe that segues into it because it's Marky Mark, and they got him to plant a celebrity tree for Paul Rudd's charity in Clueless. Oh yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, so. All right. Yeah, what did you think? What, what's your thoughts on the film? I love Clueless. It's a movie I've seen a bunch. I watch it once a year on average, just kind of throw it on. It's, it's a movie that's in rotation for sure. Um, I think, you know, I was trying to sort of unpack where I, I'm coming from with it and why, why I have developed this relationship with it. It's probably sort of like the young film snob in me and the kind of counterculture um, dweeb that I was growing up. The, the movie is really, really high quality, but it is essentially a rom-com. And so I think, you know, among males of my age when this movie came out, it's definitely not cool to watch. But you can't really ignore the allure of this thing. And several males my age I knew were fans of this movie, not the way that I was a fan of this movie. But I regularly held it up and still hold it up. And people say that, oh, there's no good romantic comedies. There's maybe ones that you like, but there's none that are any good. It's one of the, a handful of examples that I pull up that I think are really actually very high quality filmmaking and really mm -hmm. adept storytelling which makes sense because this is an adaptation of a you know, hundreds-year-old classic tale. So it's not like we're reinventing the wheel here, but the adaptation of that material is really adept and resonant to the time that it was made, but I think largely works right now if you view it as a period piece because it really takes on the lens of almost time capsule-ishness in the way that 
uh, Ridge, Fast Times at Ridgemont High does also. It feels contemporary, but not um, dated. It feels, mm. yeah, so, sh and this movie starts similarly with the kind of, and Cher calls it out, where she says like a Noxzema commercial or a, a, you know, some cleansing product. We're in some teen commercial here, and it's really shot that way. Um, but Fast Times at Ridgemont High also starts out with that glorification of teen life and the, the mall vibes. It, it just is a different setting, but similar treatment. Anyways, I, I, we can get more into that later. Uh, yeah. yeah, this is a movie I, I fully really agree. Like, I, I, um, I, so I, I was the right age for this film when it came out, and like uh, a lot of the notes of the film, like the the winners and losers, uh, is is kind of like. So I, I was kind of part of the skateboarding culture, sure. and um, and so the opening of the film kind of introduces the people that I associate with as the negative and then throughout the process of the film you start to realize that there that travis is one of the the few sincere characters um you know like so the sincerity of that character doesn't change but your kind of framing of it does and then eventually you're like oh he's the only one who actually cares about anyone yeah. or is um or is actually out there doing anything of any value um you know and then obviously share picks up that mantle too which is you know like really cool to kind of she's never uh it's it's like she's kind of one of those uh stereotypical you know wealthy and you kind of can picture if you if you pitched this movie that she's going to be a, a negative like a, a like a a waste sure. of space and but she's not like she's quite like she's quite nice very considerate quite often um yeah, her whole like, character is pitched that way. She is really open and inclusive. Yeah. And so it's not like, well, I mean, the stuff when she starts uh, sort of dressing up Ty is a different conversation. But like the background, one of the early scenes that we get with Cher is the, like the dinner party scene. Or no, sorry, it's the debate about the dinner party. And she's talking about rearranging her dad's 50th anniversary so that more people could get involved with the action. And so she is coming from this really spoiled place because that's yeah. her perspective, that's her worldview, but her like self, her core of being is like, yeah, let's invite more people to this party. Right. We can all make her, this work. Her intentions and her, her soul are like very good, right. but she's very sheltered and very um, like minimal point of view. Like she's only ever had crazy wealth. And so she doesn't quite understand how poor things can get, you know, but like, but yeah, I kind of enjoyed that character because it's not written very often, more often than not, that no, character. I think that's a, almost an exception. So I'll, I'll be perfectly fair and say that I watched, I half-heartedly watched both Emma's from the last, you know, 30 years, the, um, the one from last year with Anya Taylor-Joy and the one from 96 with Gwyneth Paltrow. And I, you know, I'm not big on a period piece, you know, a costume drama. It's just, is not for me. And yeah. this type of story is a prime example of why, because it ends up being just like a lot of names and people talking about people and not a lot of action. So I check out pretty quick. But the reason I bring them up is that both of those characters, although the, um, 
uh, Gwyneth Paltrow portrayal is a little more naive and soft, but both of those characters have a little more of a mean streak and a selfish thing. And the arc is very much redemption with them. And what I really dig about this, especially on this viewing, is that it's, that redemption arc is there for her, but it's not about like having to become a better person. It's just sort of the natural steps of becoming a better person. I don't know if I'm communicating that very well. No, I, I get, yeah, like it's just a, like you're kind of witnessing the, the evolution. She just, she was, she was always kind of hit, trying to head that way. She just didn't have, the voices in her life that would help you know so like as she as she kind of reflected on the events of the movie she grew and i i like it because i like her at the start and i like her at the end but she's definitely yeah. improved you know um yes yeah, uh, yeah. like kind of a polar influence if you consider that dan hedea right her dad is views everything transactionally so their entire relationship the whole thing that she's seen growing up is like get get yours you know take care of business and and win this negotiation and then yeah. you know paul rudd comes around planting trees with a little more of a like hey let's uh actually speak truth to power and see if we can use our uh influence for good and, and that yeah. has an effect on her yeah. anyways that's cool yeah um okay so like i'm on top of all of this uh soundtrack was great fun and you know like uh yeah like like i said the 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 skateboarding and the like uh yeah the the fact that the the joke soundtrack of whenever the college whenever paul rudd's in a scene yeah. it's depressed college music yeah. and it's all the music that i listened to as a teenager like you know that <laughs> so i'm i'm basically at the start of the film i'm the the outcast skateboarder and the the, the like depressed college kid. by the end <laughs> and i and just love it counting pros yeah and then you've got uh i, I think it's mighty mighty boss tones is the play <laughs> like is the, the sure band, is. which is like a ska brass band which was brilliant when i was like <laughs> 14 i was like that's the coolest thing i've ever seen uh, i saw those guys at a festival one time and my favorite part about their band which is featured here is that they have a guy who's basically just there to dance around he's like a hype man for a hip-hop group but there he he doesn't have very much to do because it's a brass band <laughs> so he's really just kind of bobbing around it's fantastic brilliant um yeah i uh, like i mean i'm sure everyone always talks about it but the language is uh, wonderful like i, I love the like, you know viewing it as an adaptation this time i it's credit as the language being super cool right but it, it's a specific choice because any period adaptation and so oh you know what we, oh it's like a year or two later romeo and Ju romeo plus juliet Baz Luhrmann yeah, right. style made the choice to just use the period dialogue right and go which was forward. Epic. what's yeah. that which was epic in my uh, totally. sense love I, that movie so I, yeah you have but you have this big choice to make where you know movies like oh is another example the othello remake from around this time uh with mckay pfeiffer and i don't know julia styles is that right anyways oh, um, i don't know i saw it 
Yeah, well, I mean, it's worth a watch because there's some good actors in it, and it's a Shakespeare story. But, oh, Josh Hartnett might play Iago. Is that right? <laughs> he um, was hot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was a, so hot. And, um, but they went with contemporary dialogue, and so it just comes off as, like, really, really moody. And so the choice here to contemporize is the dialogue but by setting it in this school that's like a super fancy academy where everybody's getting the best education they can, you get this excuse for really elevated vernacular. And because of the, the people that are populating this school, you know, it, it's really coming from all walks of life as long as you have a lot of money. But it, it, I think it's a really novel yeah. and like appropriate and fun choice and really you know yeah really fun and the juxtaposition of like the 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 jocks or the like the hip-hop crew right. speaking like i understand that certain um certain feminine nouns can be diminutive but you know like i don't mean it with any you know it's <laughs> just yeah. the, you know, the long undertones yeah like I understand that there are undertones, but I'm not, yeah. Like, I just thought that was an, because he comes in like hot and heavy with the hip hop, um, you know, like the, hey woman. And then he completely like, totally. You know, oh, I thought that was a brilliant, yeah, yeah. Lots of those. Donald Faison is so good with that kind of material, turning stuff on a dime and just being like the coolest guy in the room. I've just been rewatching Scrubs lately, and it continues to be so much fun, man. They're just like the the chemistry is why that show was on as long as it was. They're a blast. Yeah. So speaking of like great chemistry and incredible performances, I always had thought of this as mostly Alicia Silverstone's thing, and obviously it's her story, right? She's she's the titular clueless, at least according to her inner monologue at one point. But yeah. Murphy steals every fucking scene that she's in. And she's yeah. so good. Man, I'm uh, just sad she's not making movies anymore. Well, yeah. That, that's a heartbreaking story, isn't it? Yeah, it really know. is. Yeah, it really is. With the mold? Did you hear about that? No, no, I they, don't know. Uh, wait, it was Brittany Murphy, right? I'm going to stop talking because I'm not sure if I have this exactly right, but it really kind of a, a crazy story. Oh, yeah. We'll have to check it out. Um, yeah. But it's, uh, yeah, it's, no, I mean, it's such a fun film. Um, like, so, yeah, sorry. Just <laughs> like thinking about the film, I'm like, man, they just did well. Like, um, no, but, I mean, that's kind of, it's like, it, it's hard to, for me, certainly to talk about this thing without just being a total Chris Farley show. You know, I like, I love the fact that every single outfit that she wears is amazing. And in the beginning and the end of the film, her and Dion kind of have really similar motif um, wardrobes. And that's also expressed in the way that Ty like comes to her and goes away from her. You can see that all expressed through the clothing. And at one point, Cher's gum matches her skirt. It's just it's like so incredible to look at. And yeah, the, uh, I will. I do, I do wonder what this film looks like without nostalgia rose glasses. Because I, I mean, I watched this as a teenager and it was 
brilliant. I saw, you know, in, in the cinema when it first came out, I, I loved the film. Um, but yeah, John, like a, I'd love to see someone who hasn't seen it and just be like, is it distracting to have the, the, the phones and have the, um, you know, all the 90s specific um, I mean, maybe, obviously I'm not the person to ask this question to, no. but so all Thank I can you. do is sort of project that experience back, you know, further on. And so there's, there are movies from say like the 50s or the 70s where the technology is distracting, right? Um, and I, maybe I'm not making a sound argument because I don't have any real strong examples close at hand, but then there are plenty of examples where like so all the president's men came into my mind where everybody is working on like dial-up phones and typewriters and like actually a, a really pivotal scene in that movie happens in a payphone which makes no sense today and made not a ton of sense when we were kids you know so yeah. okay yeah uh, i mean i'd love that because basically i love it and i none of it was distracting for me but i do like you know, got to ask the question, like, is it... I think it's a fair question, for sure. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to... I might get someone to watch it with me and then just see. Here's the problem with that question, is it presupposes there is a person on this planet who is not seen and does not already love this movie. <laughs> yeah, which just is inconceivable, so... Uh... Speaking of Wallace Shawn... <laughs> yeah. Wallace Shawn deserves a shout out. And you know who else deserves a shout out in this damn movie? Is the reason that I pulled up the cast list earlier, Twink Kaplan. Oh, uh, yeah. That's Miss Geist. And also our good friend from Look Who's Talking and Look Who's Talking Too. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Jeez, I didn't even notice. Oh, man. So she's yeah. a repeat offender it <laughs> yeah. that might be amy heckerling yeah i think it is well so, yeah um, i'm just gonna keep talking about how much i love and adore this film until okay, you so, stop here's another any, memory that i have that everybody should know about the uh the scene where Cher gets robbed in the parking lot right the liquor store mm -hmm. That was Which an early I'm in LA moment for me. When I moved, I was, I stopped in at that liquor store just because I was out, you know, doing some other stuff. And when I got into my car, I had a moment where I was like, like literally paused at the door handle to look up and just be like, why do I know that giant ass clown neon lights? Oh, <laughs> shit. Yeah, I better get don't get robbed. Yeah, that scene is quite um, intense. Like, it's not. Like, it, it they, well, it, it could be. You know what I mean? Like, I... She gets I sexually assaulted and robbed within, like, by two different men within yeah. 10 minutes of each other. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I, I didn't remember it being like that. And then I'm like, oh, wow, that's... And he, the... The, the shitty boyfriend guy or whatever, you oh, know, the, the, yeah, he's, he's terrible. He's <laughs> like, like, that's a unbelievably sh shitty situation and he deals with it in the shittiest way possible. And True. like, it's 
holy crap, he's a, he's kind of like a report to the authorities kind of bad person, you know, like I was like, wow, I don't remember, I remember, yeah, like anyway, that was intense. And then yeah. basically within a 30 seconds of that, she's mugged and the mugging is like, wow, this could go so wrong so quick. Oh, she's got a gun in her face, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Elton is definitely a bad dude, but he is responsible for one of my favorite lines and something that I've tried to pull off more than once in high school, which is, my foot hurts. Can I go to the nurse? <laughs> yeah. He was terrible. with. They're like, any questions? And he's like, can I get a bath? Yeah. <laughs> like, I lost my um, Cranberry CD in the quad. I got to go find it before somebody steals it. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh man. Uh, yeah. The also speaking of quotable, quotables, the uh, when they're doing a little makeover to Miss Geist, and she walks away, and Dion goes, "Well, not a total Betty, but a vast improvement." Yeah. I say that to myself about three times a week. Whatever thing <laughs> that I'm working on when I'm done doing it, when I've just lost my patience with whatever the thing is. All right. Yeah. Not a total Betty. I'm out of here. Um, the, I love like some of the, like her response to her father or to like authorities is really amazing for me. Like, um, like she, she gets a call from her dad and, and he's like, do you know what time it is? And she's like, don't be silly daddy. If a, a, a watch doesn't go with this outfit. <laughs> <laughs> I also like when she, when they kick off the conversation about the report card, I don't remember what he prompts her with, but her response is, some teachers were trying to lowball me, daddy. <laughs> yeah, no, it was good. She was like, um, and where's your report card? And she's like, oh, it's not ready yet. Yeah. He's like, what do you mean it's not ready yet? She's like, oh, uh, some teachers are lowballing me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, and I was like, that's brilliant. Yeah, also another uh, subtle visual communication that, that she pulls off well and Heckerling does well with is, and it, they call attention to it in the scene right before it comes to a head, right when Cher sort of realizes that she has feelings for Paul Rudd, whose character's name I cannot recall right now. But um, Brittany Murphy calls her out saying that like college guys are into smart girls that wear less makeup and blah, 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 blah. And she's been toning down her makeup for the few scenes leading up to that. Yeah. Just feeling like we're getting a lot of good visual storytelling. Hmm. No, uh, yeah, I think uh, like a lot. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, I don't know what, I, I'd have to watch it again because I just I thoroughly enjoyed it. But I think you're right. Like, I think she, she starts off like turned up to 11. Um, costume wise like and you know her friends and everyone with the like cake cake box hat and you know like um, right. the, you know like everything's turned up to 11 but as it goes on she kind of becomes more interested in getting food and things for the for the disaster relief and you know like right um, so then costumes mute not muted but just become more i don't know Toned down. I mean, she's Toned definitely down. still fabulous. She is Cher, after all. But she, right. she definitely tones it down a little bit. Yeah. And then I suppose she gives a ton of that stuff away to the people in Pismo Beach who also lost <laughs> their eight box hats. And like the equipment. Uh, giving away skis because yeah. they're like, 
they lost everything, Daddy. They, don't you think that also includes uh, sporting equipment? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's like the the naivety, but then also the good intent coming through again. You know. Um, so from uh, an overachiever that everybody loves in share to a real loser, I guess, right? <laughs>